Great. This is the Solutions for Climate Revolution podcast. My name is Francesca and my guest today is Gary Wilburn. Gary is a founder, shareholder and the director of a multi-award winning HPW Architecture, a sustainable design practice in Hampshire with global reach, connecting your clients, contractors and collaborators around the concept for low carbon design for infrastructure. You chair on the board of the Association for Environment Conscious Building that offers courses such as Carbon Light Retrofit, designed to equip those who work in the construction industry with the knowledge and skills needed to install technology to decarbonize our homes and save us money. You are also a board member of Future South, further putting the triple bottom line into use, simultaneously improving quality of life, protecting the environment and building sustainable business partnerships and you are a protector of natural capital through the Green Halo Partnership. You are a frequent guest at conferences spreading the word about the benefits of designing our lives around nature's natural gifts. It, I think I literally ran up to chat to you after your presentation at the International Conference of Energy and Cities last year because of your passion for nature and your mission for humanity to be self-sufficient and energy independent. The world has changed quite a bit since we last met last year. How are you and HPW ad adapting to the new status quo? Well, that's very kind. Thank you. Great words. Um, um, I don't, didn't realise that's all me, but it is, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping busy and the team are keeping busy. We're trying to um, not just self-motivate, but help one another through it. It's a very, very difficult situation that none of us expected to be in. Um, but what's... I suppose slightly easier for the likes of yourself and I, we're fairly accustomed and used to working at home and are set up to do so. So for all those people that aren't set up to do so, it's a real struggle. So my colleagues um, and I have been, uh, not that I'm any IT expert, but we've been helping others sort of, you know, get used to this isolated um, existence. Uh, there are many things that it isn't holding back. Uh, there's concerns that from a um, negotiation and discussion point of view, uh, for instance, with the planning process, that, that the councils will inevitably be struggling with everyone working at home. So planning applications and uh, all sorts of uh, things that need to go on on an average day uh, inevitably are stalling whilst everyone find, finds their feet. It's getting better week by week, um, but communication inevitably is a challenge for a lot of people and that's that's the key thing that we have to keep going uh, with i'm speaking regularly with colleagues uh, obviously one to make sure about their well-being and that they're happy in what we're doing we are blessed with doing wonderful work on some wonderful projects with some really actually very very uh, uh, ethically grounded clients so we're blessed with that and um, we have some projects ongoing um, which further embrace uh, our principles and approach which is which is really exciting it's great to hear that you can still keep momentum going on on your incredible projects you touched on two things that I'd, I'd love to ask you about the first one um the low carbon agenda you actually went back to study sustainable building performance and design i think it was 2008 and how can you um how could you describe how hpw had been operating um, for the some time before you went back to studying and what the differences are now after you came back to study? 
yeah. I mean, obviously, at my age, even at the time, it was a pretty big commitment. Um, my colleagues, uh, particularly my business partner, were incredibly supportive of me taking a day out every week to travel up to Oxford to do the study over two years. Uh, and I did approximately a thousand hours in my shed uh, studying, writing papers, researching. Um, it was not easy, it, it, but very few things in life that are worth doing are easy, as, as we all know. Uh, but it was, it was hugely fulfilling. It was wonderful working with so many talented, not just the professors and the PhDs uh, at Oxford Brooks, but also we were blessed with an amazing array of world-leading experts, uh, real you know, a real knowledge base around everything sustainable, um, not just architecture, the whole uh, planet, really, the whole subject of the, the wider climate issues. Um, and I'm in touch with all of them. We work together whenever we can. Uh, a number of them have moved on from Oxford now. Uh, so I was, I was, I, I sort of hit the sweet spot. I was lucky in terms of timing. Um, and of course, it was one of the easiest universities for me to get to from where I am in Southern Hampshire but it, it, it worked out brilliantly I would, I would recommend it to anyone at any age uh, it's never too late to take on more study um, before I did the master's degree we had always had and I had always had a very strong commitment to the sustainable agenda um, I had a thirst for more knowledge but I think most importantly to study extensively a subject so that I can then comment and advise and work with my clients and also give strong argument and bring people to account if they're just talking absolute nonsense, you know, and I'm afraid there's a lot of greenwash spoken uh, in all subjects, not least architecture and construction. Um, I've been in that field for 35 years now, so I do know a thing or two, but I can assure you I learned an enormous amount going through those two years of study. Um, and complex building physics related subjects of how to really truly integrate renewables into projects. Um, you know, understanding dynamic thermal modeling of buildings. You know, there was no way a general day-to-day -day practitioner would have learned that in their normal design or architecture study. They may have touched it in one module, but not focused upon it. Um, and the difference, I suppose, is, is having, through the projects that we've undertaken since and during, which was quite unusual as a student to be actually practicing uh, at the same time, um, applying the newfound knowledge, uh, but process really as much as knowledge to use building physics to assist and inform the design process and that really I think whether you adopt a, a, a passive house certified approach whether you adopt uh, ACB building standards whether you adopt just above building regulations whatever you choose to adopt um, the, uh, or indeed a, a biophilic approach, which is something uh, you know I've, I've come to realise is very much a driver for for our work, um, in, the, in particularly in the natural sense uh, and the locations and special um, places that we tend to get involved with projects. That whatever and whichever, all of those things, 
the, the dynamic modeling, um, not just PHP levels of modeling, but complex modeling of the building, um, the investment in that at the design stage more than pays for itself tenfold uh, through the savings in the operation of the building as a result of how you've designed it. And it's, it's that whole joined up uh, pattern of thinking through in really quite um, uh, detailed fashion what the building needs to do and how it should perform through its lifetime. Um, and whilst we did practice those types of things before my study, it, this was just a catalyst, a, a complete boost to how we approached and, and uh, our work. And whilst it may not have sort of directly influenced um, our approach to you know site-specific projects because we'd always had a site-specific contextual attitude to to design it just gave it all a, a massive boost and that newly gained knowledge but also the network of people that we can now rely on and pull pull in when we need them is um is second to none which is hugely exciting that's fantastic. It sounds like you just, this course, it was um, Sustainable Building Performance and Design at Oxford Brooks. Mm. It 10 x your already big passion for sustainability and inclusive building of people in the environment. And it's just, it's the environmentally sensitive and locally sourced construction solutions, I think, that distinguishes HPW from, from other architecture and construction practices out there. And could you just touch on what you mean by building physics because i think this yeah. is the actual um this is the natural energy gifts that, <clears throat> that we can have and this is how infrastructure can enhance what is already there is that right is i explained it? yes mm. I, I mean obviously building physics is the science of buildings you know it, it, so it's so it, rather than best guessing um and applying some level of understanding of u values and and just doing a very basic sort of saps uh, sort of assessment of, of how a building envelope will perform. Um, it, it really is an integrated approach to making the right decisions about everything from the specification of U values and the performance of windows, doors, walls, roof, floor, uh, the whole envelope of the building. Um, so reduce any energy use at source, which one can do with good building knowledge. There are plenty of people out there that, that are really knowledgeable, uh, either technicians or architects or designers who are perfectly capable to do so. This really just you know, reinforces that approach. It clarifies in detailed terms the performance of how the building envelope, provided it's built correctly, of course, it needs policing and you've got to have a certain amount of evangelistic approach to it and you need champions along the whole route of of delivery not just uh, an hbw we need to work with the right contractors fellow consultants who actually understand uh, the process um, including quantity surveyors project managers when we need them uh, civil and structural engineers ecologists you know the whole gamut of of people that give valuable in, input to the delivery of, a, of, a, of an either new build or refurbishment project. And often refurbishment is far more complex than new build um, and more costly too. Mm -hmm. um, but but it, it's, it reinforces through science 
which it's difficult for people to argue against. Well, unless you're the American president. Um, <laughs> but, but it's difficult for people to argue against when you're dealing with fact. You know, architecture is not fact. It, 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 it's, a, it's a progressive subject. It's, it, it's a subject that has enormous history. And the more learned uh, out there use that knowledge to, to apply it in various beautiful ways, some of which we like, some of which we don't like. It's a very personal thing. However, when you assess the actual data and performance of a building before you build it, during the design process, and we can, ah, we can make a building self-sufficient in its lifetime, assessing the value of that, whether you do or don't include renewables in that design process, is enormous and all we've aimed to do and managed to do with a lot of the projects we work on large and small is then use that to inform the client's decision making process and illuminate them as to the benefits of adopting a highly sustainable approach um, and we're looking now to have a lot of case studies of, of, of buildings as you're aware that um, that apply such things that's amazing so your job is actually to inspire and teach people that you that you work with the benefits of this new way of, of building could you um mention a little bit or chat a little bit about um how you i'm just going to jump straight to my last question because it, it's already so topical with the the sort of the pausing of society and many of the things that were, were going on before c19 um in terms of how energy independency and self-sufficiency will be highlighted after when we get over this over this crisis how do you th see things changing for for local authorities and developers do you especially because you said that you were actually while you were studying and learning these specific and incredible techniques you were actually adapting them to your to your project could you um, could you do you see developers being able to be inspired by by this by by c19 and sort of change what i call conventional bricks and mortar and gas boiler development to to adjusting to the new way of life that i think a lot more people are going to be demanding because the way i see it builders of and contractors of conventional bricks and mortar and gas boiler they are they it's built in obsolescence because these technologies aren't going to be they're just they're not what people want anymore what, how, what do you think on that how can how can developers adapt after c19 yeah I, I think i think you know the first well, where are we now third week of lockdown i think mm -hmm. um so the first week i think even the likes of yourself and i were frozen we were all just not knowing what to do or indeed how to do it um the second week people were beginning to wake up and cope with their, uh, as I was joking earlier, you know, complete IT nightmare. I know that many councils had complete implosion of their systems because suddenly hundreds of people that would have normally gone into the, you know, the, the town hall or wherever they're working, uh, suddenly are working from home. They're all trying to get on the server and you just can't, you can't cope. The, the, whole thing, the whole thing just falls apart. Mm. And then the third week, which we're now almost through, um, Although I think most people, professionals that are working as we are, you know, sadly Good Friday and Easter Monday won't really exist. It's all just sort of 
melded into a uh, a slightly different approach and indeed my wife who's a teacher is is teaching tomorrow uh, for obvious reasons so so it's a very different world in which we're living now um yes there's a lot of selfish people out there there's a lot of people that really won't react positively necessarily to the the change that we have gone through with this appalling um virus however I'm massively encouraged by the conversations I'm having with leaders, politicians, uh, clients, um, and indeed contractors about their absolute commitment to change following this. That's fantastic. We've got to encourage it. We can't pull back on the pressure that we need to put on people. Um, we've not heard climate change mentioned in many news and broadcasts. Um, but for obvious reasons, quite rightly, um, uh, coronavirus is, uh, has to be top of the news. And, you know, we all hope everybody has an easier route through it as possible. But um, the climate change challenge has not gone away. Um, we've got to see genuine, monumental change in attitude and approach. And from the investment markets, Yes, from the councils, but the councils are getting there. You know, there's lots of very, very good people, both at high level, low level, and medium level within within local and wider government. And whatever your uh, alignment politically, I think we're genuinely seeing more humanity coming through in everything from the broadcasts from Downing Street each day. Um, I'd have to say a lot of it has been forced upon them. And uh, I, I, I do not, for one moment, um, uh, want it thought that uh, any of us would 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 see the, the situation as a as a positive. It's only a positive if we learn from it and we come out of the other side, approaching things in a different way, in a in a far more humane way, in a way which people's well-being, um, natural capital, of which you know I'm very positive about and um, adopting and creating um, public spaces, public realm, buildings themselves, dealing with nature in a, in a wholly different uh, manner, putting a value to it, uh, not just on the built environment. We, we've really got to have more balance um, and holistic view of what we're doing as developers, contractors, designers, architects in creating these lovely places for people to visit and spend time and live in and work in and the quality of architecture and design and indeed construction in the uk uh, i could be very very critical of it hugely critical of it but that's because we need to still raise the bar in terms of building regulations we need to raise the bar in terms of standards we need to stop worrying about just using bricks and training bricklayers. We need to reskill. We need to really adopt and adapt to MMC, off-site construction, not prefabs, not things that people associate with rubbish standards, to actually achieve highly engineered, um, far better, both thermally efficient and airtight buildings in a manner which the everyday man and woman can afford but the the standards as a whole 
uh, and the councils can really lead on this, and I think will be pushing uh, central government, I very much hope, to invest economically in each of the regions and each of the counties and each of the cities to help them with their 2030, 2050 targets and really respond properly to the climate change um, emergency that, that virtually everybody has adopted, but no one really honestly knows how to solve it yet. They all need an enormous amount of help and we've all got to work very hard to, um, to get that right so that you know, we're not playing it in, in a guinea pig fashion. We're using all of the knowledge that is out there that we have a richness of in the UK, not least with all our membership and, and fellow colleagues at, at the AECB and the Passive House Trust. You know, we, we, we have phenomenal people, um, but that should be the norm not the extraordinary um and it's it's setting that new norm i think as a target that uh, i very much hope and I'm very excited as we come out of this horrible situation um that people do respond to that and take up the challenge um and, and we get on and deliver it beautifully said i think so this is in your excuse me <clears throat> in what you think is actually a great time for young people to get involved not only in their their local authority and council to to put pressure on central government to make the changes that we want but also to in to, to look into the construction industry and architecture and and how we can do things better and pioneer the the technology that we already have that's existing but to use it in a more in a far global far wide reaching much more it should be the norm exactly like you said so this is actually this is yeah so to repeat myself but a great time for for young people to get involved in yeah. in, in building and construction. Do yeah, I very much hope so. I think I think sorry Francesca, I think, no, no, I think what, what, but but the industry itself has to work harder at making it more appealing. Hmm. You know, um, tech and renewables promote themselves in such a positive manner. They'll have further momentum behind their various um, because of the technicalities of it and the science of it. People will be engaged with that subject as a result of the, 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 the coronavirus outbreak and, and the response to it. And some of the response has been stunningly amazing, hasn't it? You know, you know all the different companies coming forward, um, you know, whether it's 3D digital, digital printing, whether it's uh, using private sector businesses to, to help the NHS and all of those things. We then need to see that once this, once we create some, get some balance after all this awful situation and plan for the exit from it. Not just from a political point of view and a, a society point of view, but the construction related industry, um, we have an opportunity here to, to, to set the standards, even during lockdown. We can, we can all work together very positively and and drive standards upwards there is a an absolute appetite at all levels um, to really begin to adopt better standards uh, a great example which was a, a genuine blessing um, and so delighted that it was awarded the, the reba prize this last year being a, being one awarded for a project in in norwich secondly 
um, a project uh, for a council house scheme, uh, and thirdly, it being a certified passive house project was was absolutely wonderful. And whilst it's had promotion within reason uh, and in all forms of uh, spectrum and media, it's not had anywhere near the clarity of words for me as how important that is as a statement. Um, that, that we could get a lot more from such things as we can the award-winning buildings we've been involved with. We need to not necessarily just shout loudly about our successes. It's not about that. And it shouldn't be about winning the awards. But those exemplar projects are absolutely 100% achievable. You know, they're not, on, as a whole, they are not massively expensive projects. They're just resilient solutions to a brief. Mm. And, and coming out the other side, um, let's hope those standards we can, we can really raise and, and then uh, achieve much, much, much higher grade of, of uh, construction uh, and indeed design um, coming out the other side. Beautifully said again, it is, it's, this, it's, the, it's the more humane way to be. And I think I love your, a comment that you have on your website sums it up so beautifully for me, what you do, it's development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And I think this is where so many big, other big developers, construction companies have it wrong. And it's exactly the case in with several developments around my area. They are destroying the, the environment that has existed for local residents for, for decades to bulldoze it up, cut down trees, trees with pre-protection orders that they just yeah. absorb within the costs of their construction. And, and they just bulldoze and cover with concrete and just ruin what was there and that what was beautiful before. And then just, yeah, pave paradise, basically, that, that, that old song. And it's, um, it's so sad to see because it not only just disconnects people who will move in the into the community, into these new builds from existing residents, yeah. it creates a wedge and that prevents social cohesion. And I think there's, there's such a huge relationship here between people and infrastructure that I think has been so overlooked for so long. And it's yeah. just, it's companies like, like yourself, which with HPW that just that pioneer this. And it's, it's just so exciting to chat to you and hear about it. And I think, do you, what do you think about the, is the government stepping up and setting high enough standards for building regulations? Does the national planning policy framework live up to, to what we should be doing? And how can young people maybe get involved with their local authority and put pressure on, on central government to make the changes? I mean, I wrote a big long letter to my MP the other day about what I would like to see the changes in infrastructure be. Is this yeah. something that we should encourage other young people to do or are there other ways that they can get involved with, with being the change that they wish to see in the world? I think, uh, yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> they're all big questions. Uh, I, think, I think what young people can do is, yes, we need to canvas mm. and we need to get behind the good work that many already extremely capable and well-established organisations uh, undertake and the ACB, which I'm very proudly chair, 
you know, as, a, as an individual student membership uh, or practice, single practitioner membership, it's actually a very cheap thing to be a member of. And I would implore as many people as possible to get behind that um, and look at their website and what they do. But um, in terms of day-to-day -day action, um, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not one for marching up. That's not, that's not my thing. Um, I like to do and approach these things in a far stealthier fashion. I support people uh, with, you know, um, nonviolent protests very, very strongly. Uh, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't need to march. I'd like us to be using that time more constructively. However, the frustrations of the many <clears throat> um, are that we do need to do that. And canvassing and pushing hard politically is, is going to be absolutely key. But surely, now that we really genuinely value our NHS and the social well-being of people, I'm really genuinely hoping we don't need to remind them as often as we were having to. And the, the response that we're going to get post um, the virus will have a little bit more humanity about it, for want of a better description, and that people will dig deep and will not just uh, economic and financially, the support that the government are going to uh, have already begun and will begin, you know, to increase as the weeks follow. You know, HPW uh, is a small business and my wider group of companies, it's not easy for any of us. You know, staff having to be furloughed where required, all, all the various things, it, it's tough, it's tough stuff. Um, but I think the agenda that you and I are passionate about and many people we know in terms of delivering things in a sustainable, resilient fashion with well-being at its heart and creating places, delivering places, beautiful places to live. Well, I'm afraid the quality generally of house building in the UK is still rubbish. It's not even vaguely good. It's rubbish compared to many other parts of the world. Um, we're reliant on traditional skills, which um, there is a place for that, and I'm a big supporter of it, as you know, use of local materials, etc. But when such enormous quantities of bricks are imported to the UK just to knock up uh, rabbit boxes, it, it, rabbit hutches, it's not good enough. We have to push very hard at improving the core of the house building sector. I'm not saying construction, because I think the majority of the construction sector get that we have to deliver better performing envelopes for people to live, work and play in. I don't believe the bulk of the housing sector get that or care about it, whatever they do or do not say. And we've really got to push very, very hard. Um, and yes, that may be by building regulations, which is an enormous task, and it may be through planning, but planning is... Contrary to popular belief, it's, it's a pretty um, professional and well-versed discipline and, um, yeah, profession in the same way that architecture is. We all work together to get the right results. There are people that try it on and will we'll cut corners, but really that cutting corners thing, it's got to be driven politically so that we achieve higher standards and that the borough councils, district councils, not just county councils, are encouraged centrally 
to, to treat construction and the quality of the living environment, um, not just the built environment, um, to, you know, for the standards to be raised. And that does need our politicians to realise, and I've often quoted it as this, maybe wrongly, I don't know, that construction is one of our last manufacturing industries. We manufacture stuff in a beautiful, fantastic way. We've got enormously well-skilled people. We just need to reskill some of them, redirect some of them, adopt and champion the stuff that, that, that we and other practitioners out there know works. And you've only got to look and interview a number of my clients to see, as with other people's clients, that, 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 that have adopted such a, an approach. Yes, there's a, a marginal 5 or sometimes 10% difference in, in investment at the front end. But that's nothing when we have little or no energy cost in operating those buildings in their lifetime. So we save all of that and also in the mechanical and electrical installations that need to go into a lot of these buildings. And I believe that sort of private sector and uh, commercial end of architecture, if you like, in, in the UK, there's a lot that the house building and other sectors can learn from it. I just have this amazing image in my mind of young people, hopefully across the UK, listening listening to our conversation and getting inspired and rallying up and as soon as we're allowed to all be out again we're all going to be crowding <laughs> around the local authorities demanding for youth councils setting higher standards and i think this is i would love it if something like this happened because i think i'm very much i'm thinking the same way of you i'm not one for marching i'd much rather march yeah. for something i believe in i'd much rather go on a peace protest than a, yeah, exactly. than, a than a war protest kind of thing so i think yeah. peace yeah. peace not not a peace protest a peace um, no, 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 no. you know I what i mean you. but it's um i think it's it's this fight that we all i think need to, to engage with and really understand and get on board with because our demand creates what what the supply and without and if we don't demand the things that we know to be good and true then things then they're never going to be supplied to us so we have the power to create demand for the things that we want and that we know that will change the future and i think yes the enjoyment and the feel good that people get when they exist in your buildings and the benefits of living in this way that is so connected with nature you just like you say you haven't built an envelope that is a rabbit hutch that you just protects you from the wind. It's designed so it it works with the elements. Could you speak about some of the the, the benefits of to feeling good and health that your buildings bring, and also yeah, what you what what you can retrofit and what you what you can what what you would build in? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I I think we we recently um, very proudly had a, a, another award uh, for a, a building buildings that we've undertaken at Poulton's Park over the years we've been working with the theme park for over 15 years now Wait, this is the past pig. This yeah and the yeah. Peppa Pig building which is, you know which everybody's you know obviously it's very memorable for obvious reasons uh, and it gives pleasure and joy to people regardless but the response that we had to the buildings at Poulton's Park, we had to even put very, very large signage and, and information panels on the walls of the buildings to explain the sustainable features. Um, and, and 
what what Paltons is blessed with as well as a fantastic business um, is the you know on a busy day they have twelve thousand people come through the door, so we are in the broadest sense educating people and and sort of um, exposing them to uh, highly sustainable buildings, uh, and it just so happens they're there to have a great time. So those two combinations I think uh, are wonderful. Uh, and, and the hairy roof and all the various positives, uh, natural ventilation, the wind captures, etc. It's very visual, it's very visible, uh, it's very literal, simple architecture responsive to the place. Uh, it also happens to be in the National Park. Uh, I'm very proudly the National Park Authority have given uh, the buildings um, their inaugural Green Building of the Year uh, award, which is super, but what the emphasis for me on that is that the Pepper Pig building has now been open nearly 10 years. So we've got post-occupancy evaluation, we've got human response to those buildings, um, not necessarily masses of data, but, but just human reaction to the joy they're getting from those buildings. And that's because of the wonderful wildflower roof, it's because it looks and feels uh, yeah, dare I say, different to the norm, probably quite a contemporary take on traditional uh, construction. Um, the natural ventilation of the building with no air conditioning, um, the natural illumination of the buildings there, uh, the gateway building actually is, is, is higher performing and better performing than the Pepper building because, you know, that, 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 uh, uh, we, that followed on um, from, from, from the a big building so you know we're delivering things which absolutely advocate and uh, embrace the building physics good quality design very honest detailing so the building matures well it doesn't just age it, you know if at all possible creating buildings that, that actually mature positively and look more beautiful not less as, as they get older um, none of those things are dif difficult <laughs> and there's not a bit of UPVC or anything such like uh, to be seen. So I think the response that we get back from people uh, and, and, and on some of our other projects like Rushton Lakes in Northamptonshire where it's in a, it's in a triple SI Ramsar designated location uh, responding to the place. Yeah, thousands and thousands of people go shopping, go to the cinema, go to restaurants, but they can also canoe on the lake, canoe on the river. They can, they can um, uh, engage with nature by the Wildlife Trust Visitor Centre. Uh, there's a much wider, broader spectrum of engagement with both natural capital, the natural world, and, and the education values that that, that, that all has. Um, and Paltons Park, I don't know whether it's unusual in terms of other parks around the country, but, you know, they have three full-time education officers um, because kids and schools want to visit the place. And they, that's, that's not just because of the buildings, it's because the whole place is beautifully landscaped and beautifully kept. And I defy you to visit the place and see any litter on the floor because people treat it with absolute respect. Um, it's the same at Rushton Lakes. You know, the Crown Estate now own and manage that uh, operation. It's phenomenally successful, uh, obviously uh, in lockdown at present for obvious reasons, other than some of the operators uh, on site. 
but it was it was booking the trends, the negative downward trends of, of, of retail and F and B in that the footfall was still amazing. And it's it's because of the place and the way in which the whole team, not least the client and investors, responded to it to do something very special. Well, yes, it is very special, but it it really should be the norm. It shouldn't just be set aside and been given awards and all the rest of it, however proud I am of all of that, but it should be setting a standard to which we work to or better. Um, but that was a particularly groundbreaking project because we were able to deliver uh, within the development as a whole, which is almost a kilometre long. It's a very big scheme. Um, we delivered uh, three certified net zero energy buildings as part of it which was the first time that's been done on a, on a very large scale, uh, you know, 140 million pound project. So it, it, it's, it, it's not just the smaller scale stuff. And then bringing that down to the everyday in terms of your homes and your houses and the places in which you live and work, um, you can super insulate uh, and retrofit um, buildings. But again, you have to want to do it. And there's a, inevitably there is a lot of ignorance about what that can achieve but as an industry we need to communicate with householders managers operators owners of buildings to make sure um, they understand the benefits of adopting these approaches you know it shouldn't be down to the fact they just don't know about it or that the people they're employing to help them with that process don't know enough about it um you know we, we are very quick we're very quick to put our hands up and say we don't know but hold on a minute i'll go and find a lady or a bloke that does know and we go off and research it and we find out you can't know everything and we've we, we've learned this process through making mistakes and we're happy to share those we should as an industry be uh, and i hope it's something that comes through very much in in the next generation is, is, is to share the fact that, oh, yeah, that was a balls up. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It just went wrong. Well, and, uh, and to predict those problems and solve them in the process rather than just run away and the doors don't fit the holes or whatever, <laughs> whatever the problem is. Um, that we're far more honest and open about that. Um, we, we accept that we all do every day of the week and year make mistakes. And it's how we manage those and, and how we, we don't just stick our heads in the sand. We, we genuinely aim to, yeah, improve. It's got to be continual improvement, hasn't it? And that alone should hopefully inspire a lot of young people to get fully engaged with this fantastic industry in which we work. And we will see good days again. Beautifully said. And there's such an incredible lesson there to learn, which I wish I'd learned when I was when I was younger. That failure is is not a bad thing. It's actually a very very good thing because without failure, you you can't succeed. And no. without trying, you will never know. And I think that is that is one of the biggest yeah one of the biggest take homes for for me in the last few years. And one that I really hope that the construction not just the construction industry but everything around development that they that they that they adopt because it is it's now it's adapt or die and i think it's um yeah i really hope that there are 
that, that I think that there will. I'm I'm being optimistic now. There are going to be there are going to be there there will be amazing change, and we will honour yes. the people who have lost their lives to this absolutely this horrible absolutely. virus, and we will we will live in a way that is that honours their lives and yeah respects nature and our future and our prosperity. And it's thanks to companies like yes. yours, like yours, Gary, that that you that you are pioneering and you are trailblazing this because we will look back and i'm sure in like 10 10 even less years and say gosh look at those companies they knew they were doing that like even before all of this happened why didn't we listen and one of the yeah. things i try and tell people that I, that I that i that definitely is one of my biggest motivations is is looking back and thinking oh no why didn't i do more when i could i think that's one of the things that is that i think a lot of people um, don't think about or maybe don't have the luxury to think about but I think it's definitely going to be more so on the agenda in the next well, I, I, I went in the questions I saw, was trying to answer before mm. the interview um, uh, you know you, you were asking one of the questions was about um, what do you advise young people coming through and 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 my as everyone that knows me well uh, is, is, is to never accept no you know, just do not accept no. Obviously, there are occasions when it's relevant, but you know, yeah, no is just—it's just waiting to be a yes, isn't it? You've just got to work harder at it and and be more convincing and be more positive about the outcome that you're targeting, and just you know, inspire at all stages, be positive at all stages, and enjoy uh, the challenge uh, of, of whatever it is you choose to do in life. Um, and obviously construction and architecture and the related uh, subject is, is my passion. It's what I've committed to do for the last 35 years and I'll be doing it, I hope, a very lot, lot longer. But it, we need young people. We need passionate people uh, coming into the sector. We have a fabulous array of people coming through the universities and colleges. Um, I'm interested to see the new uh, T levels as they come through, technical technically focused people I think that's a, hopefully a really good thing through the, through what I would have always known as technical colleges um, and you know we've got industry has got to embrace the educational sector more and vice versa you know I very seldom am contacted by the universities even though we mentor students from from Portsmouth and Oxford Brooks and Bath when we can and Plymouth and a number of other uh, universities but we don't have enough contact with them I don't we can't just plow time into these things but there's not enough education and and layered public and private sector yes are working together but we've all got to really um, be far more aware and cooperative about the time we make and the commitment we make to learn from one another's knowledge um, and certainly the young people coming through uh, the graduates we're working with whether they're part one two or three architects wherever they are they are in their learning uh, there's some exceptional talent out there it's hugely exciting as indeed is there is in the construction sector um, and it shouldn't just be the progressive what, what we all refer to as the progressive practitioners or builders that, that enthuse about that. It, it's got to be encouraged that uh, that's embraced far more in the mainstream, um, not just for the select few that choose to make that commitment.
wonderful it's so insightful and it is it's it's we spoke about this last year bridging the gap and creating the businesses and industries in the technologies that we need to retrofit and to yes to, to make this mainstream and that's where young people coming up through education and their a levels their t levels going through uni doing apprenticeships that's where we need now to really engage and be like you guys want to do this like we care about your future this is what we can do and it's just yes. more like we've got to set up some kind of youth council linking to the carbon light retrofit and just yeah. give people give young people these opportunities and say this is the world needs you no pressure yes. guys <laughs> no no absolutely well we're I all think, in the same boat here you know i was talking with a gentleman yesterday and he was referring to uh uh, uh <laughs> elderhood um, as that. opposed to wisdom and, and I'm very blessed, certainly within the ACB, to have lots of wise people that I feed from. Um, uh, but, but whatever term we give it, for, for there to be real sharing and um, uh, benefit from all that wisdom and knowledge, but also all the enthusiasm and energy at the other end of the spectrum and bring those two things together as, as uh, you know, I don't mean that this doesn't happen. It just needs to happen more openly and widely. Uh, to really affect all the things we've been discussing. That's beautiful. I think that's. A, I don't want. I love chatting to you, Gary. It's always such a pleasure. I don't want to. Don't want to stop. But um, I think it's a beautiful <laughs> yeah, we note. Can do to, one another time. We I'd can love that. Up. That would just be wonderful. But the sharing and making all the things that we know to be good and true, to be good for us, the planet, and and yeah. people is is such a beautiful note to finish on. And I just thank you so much for your time such a big fan of your work and yeah can't wait to chat again soon and keep up with all your incredible awards and and what you're doing (laughs) for humanity it's just amazing so thank you so much much. again that's very kind but it's also good to discuss the subject openly wonderful oh super look forward to some more open conversations i think yeah young people out there too will super appreciate your openness i think it's very very much needed in in these times so well buzzing Take care, Gary. Thank you so much. Stay safe to everybody. And you, and you, and yeah, everyone stay safe, take care, and all the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.